<laughs> Good. Thank you. <laughs> that would have been awful. This is like one of the most important ones. <laughs> okay. I forgot um, to look. What are we doing? I haven't even had time today to. Uh huh. What's what's the talk we're doing? The go forward with faith. Let me make sure. Oh, okay. I got it right. Yeah. Group A is go forward with faith. So chapter forty-five. If you've got this book. Um, uh, so this is kind of like the the closing remarks of the the whole conference. Um, we've got um, what were the the other talks were uh, the opening message and then opening the heavens for help, hear him, Hosanna shout, etc. And then it concludes with this go forward with faith. So it, it's quite an important uh, talk as we uh, conclude uh, another historic conference. I love how he. Um, uh, starts almost all of his closing remarks that way right my beloved brothers and sisters as we come to the end of this another historic conference <laughs> um but this one truly was i mean not that they are at all but um this was transformational for me um like think back in in your mind to april 2020 where were you at what were you doing i mean we hadn't even started these book clubs right like that was or had we i can't even remember at this point April 2020, no, yeah, we hadn't started them yet. And so, um, I don't know, I, I think I had uh, joined like Moss's group and we were kind of discussing uh, things at, at that point. But um, anyway, this one was, was transformational for me to just kind of see uh, what was happening around me and <laughs> kind of waking me up in, in lots of different ways. Um, <clears throat> But anyway, so uh, going forward with faith, what what kind of stood out to you is, as you were reading this again uh, for for this time, uh, anything that that really stood out to you? Just kind of reviewing some of the, the first verses here. It says, what is the veil of death? Yeah, where does it mention that? It's in verse 22, yeah. the heads of the veil of death. Yeah. I don't ever think of the veil as the veil of death. I don't understand that. Uh-huh. As we pass from this life to uh, the, the spirit world, the veil of death there. That's what I've always heard it referred to, kind of that, where uh, the, the veil of pre-mortality and the veil of death versus um, where we have memories or associations that that are are completely kind of not not cut but like restricted i mean there's definite uh things that uh <laughs> why am i not even so, being able to say do that? you picture that as two different veils then the veil that you come here and then the veil you leave are two different veils i always just thought it was just one mm -hmm. i don't know from from what i because I, I try to do like lots of study on veils and stuff. Most of the veils that we have here in life are veils of unbelief that, that we put on ourselves. But then there's those two, but I don't know if they're necessarily different or, or if they're the same kind of veil uh, type of thing, but where uh, the veil from, from pre-mortal till now and the, the veil of mortality to um, the, the spirit world being ones where Either there's there's memory restrictions or um, uh, just associations that are not easily contacted. 
uh, without spiritual mm-hmm. gifts or, or permission kind of thing. But to me, it seems like they're, they're different. Uh, they're two different ones, the pre-mortality versus the, the other. But I could be wrong, too. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're, I think they're two different. But I don't know. Like, um, because, like, when we die, we go to the spirit world. But it's not the same place as, like, we were pre-mortally. Like all the children that are are people that are still ready, waiting to be born and stuff are not in the spirit world. They're two different places. So I think the veils are different. You know, the one veil is as blocking us from remembering our pre-mortal life and the others, you know, blocking us from the spirit world. Um, Cameron? Um, I had an institute teacher who taught us that pre-mortal pre-mortal spirits do not mingle with people who have already been to earth and then died. We think it's all the same thing, but, but it's not. Have you does anyone know anything? Have you been taught about that? Yeah, that's that's my belief. Is is that that's what I've been taught? Uh, and there's only one time that it's been kind of different for me. Where um, was it? Visions of Glory, where um, he had a pre-mortal and a post-mortal uh, spirit kind of over his body in the the hospital wing there, and so that one kind of threw me for a loop. I was like. Huh, I've never heard of that before, um, but yet they were interacting in that scenario, you know, and again, I'll, a lot of Spencer's dream can be symbolic in, in ways and stuff too. I'm not taking it at a face value, but, um, but yeah, that's my, what I've thought and, and somewhat of my, my study is that they don't interact, that there are two different kind of spheres in um, how they they work with us you know like <laughs> uh i'm sure leslie will have a lot to to say on that but like the the veil of post-mortal can be very thin and we can interact with with those who have lived here uh, a lot but we may not um see pre-mortal spirits very often you know so it seems like two different veils um with two different thicknesses almost <laughs> so the stories that people tell of the great grandmother sending the baby down are not true. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, darling. <laughs> yeah. That's what, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. And so, uh-huh. Yeah. Go for it. Well, that was a cough. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> your screen lit up. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, interesting because like, uh, my mom's sister had had a dream like that, right? When um, a grandma who's passed on uh, brought her a, a representation of her future child that was to be born to her kind of thing, you know, like we hear that a lot. And so maybe some of those things are just symbolic to, to help us um, in times of faith or who knows what I, you know, I, I really want to know the answer to that question, but I don't know if we necessarily have good concrete things either way, but I don't know. Well, maybe sometimes 
special permission might be given. Mm -hmm. Where it's not the norm kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think as a general rule, those two, I love the way you described it. They're two different spheres. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had something that um, caught my attention. I'm sorry, I'm under the weather, so I'm lying down and I'm, I'm feeling kind of like disrespectful. Sorry. Um, wait, I'm not feeling disrespectful. I feel like lying down is disrespectful. So um, <clears throat> it's verses 24 mainly 24 and 28, um, where he says, at the end of 24, I would like to confer upon you an apostolic blessing. And um, there's um, three, three things in the next three verses, but then the one that really caught my eye um, was 28 and it says, should there be illness among you or you or your loved ones, I leave a blessed healing consistent with the will of the Lord. I don't think I recall ever having heard that before, um, um, being blessed with that. And, and as I'm not feeling good here today and reading this, I think, hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when you talk, Anchor sores, and also yesterday at the retreat. I don't know if you even want to go where I'm about to go, Cameron. Um, about um, why we why we can get sick, what some sicknesses can be the cause of as far as the covenantal curse. And so I've just been thinking about all those and how would I access a blessing of healing? Would it be just calling upon the the apostolic blessing that he gave and claiming that? This is this is new territory. And I don't know if anybody has already done this. I haven't and I honestly had forgotten about it when he gave that talk and blessed us with that. So I'm just curious about what all of you think about this? <clears throat> uh -huh. Yeah, it's very interesting to have a, a blessing of healing, you know, over the pulpit <laughs> kind of thing, and invoking the authority vested in him. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that's very interesting there. Yes. When I was really sick, um, I would had some stomach issues and I would put my hands on my stomach and I would go through the words that we say at the veil. Mm -hmm. I felt that that had healing um, along with the blessing that my husband gave me. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> And it's interesting as I've kind of went back through lots of President Nelson's talks and, and things, um, you know, some uh, prior to even when I was born um, and some of the, the blessings that are pronounced at the end of a, a talk or, or a discourse in some way. And I was like, 
that was something that I, I've always kind of pondered and wondered. I was like, can I call upon those same things? Like I'm, I'm reading it now for the first time as if I was present at, at the time of the discourse. I wonder if I can access those same blessings and things. And, and every time that uh, I, I've wondered that, the, the, the spirit just kind of uh, whispers that truth to me that that, that is possible, that, that there's power in the word as we read scripture it, it heals us. And so as we believe in the power of apostles and prophets, uh, when they're giving the blessings, as we reread those same words that are coming through the spirit, I, I believe we do have the power to, to access those same, same blessings. So, you know, these would be interesting things to, to read often so that we can call upon those blessings of healing that, that he is issuing here. I'm wondering how often when we struggle with something physically, do we pass it off as, uh, maybe not pass it off, but do we attribute it to a trial that we have to go through because we have mortal bodies or is it an opportunity to exercise our faith to, uh, to be healed by this? And I, I generally tend to land, tend to land on the, side of the former but maybe it is a case of living beneath our privileges and that we can have um we can lay claim to these blessings as we exercise our faith yeah very interesting and great point there because um you know just like when you get a flu and you're just like okay well i gotta hunker down for at least 24 hours you know and uh, you just go through the motions this is part of mortality kind of thing um but Sometimes it can depend on our faith, you know, if we have power to, to rebuke that illness and, and send it forth from us or um, just different things, right? I, I, I'm not claiming to, to know and have power over all that, but like considering uh, where, where things come from and, and what starts uh, things. Anyway, it, it's very interesting. Um, as, is it in this talk or the next or? can't remember read a few different things today oh no it's in uh, group b's but it uh, talks about the power of fasting right and uh, how we we did that for covid and everything um i found that very interesting where um, some things can be caused by evil or unclean spirits and and so that's just a matter of casting out and uh rebuking an, an illness from from our body yeah, that's in the other talk, I think. Can you, can you guide us where that is? <clears throat> um, yeah, so I think it's like two talks ahead of this one. Um, it's, yeah. it's on page 112. But yeah, the Savior himself declared that certain things go not out, but by prayer and fasting. And um, uh, looking at the footnote and studying all that. But yeah, very interesting there. I wasn't really expecting to, <laughs> to hit on healing for uh, this go forward with faith talk, but it, it's so applicable to, to all of it as we're kind of looking back through 
uh, a lot of these things here. I find it so interesting, uh, Wilford Woodruff's um, dedicatory prayer for the Salt Lake Temple, right? Like all of the things that he saw and was praying for in that moment for our day and, and for the last days, right? Well, let's just kind of read verse 12 there. It says, hear these pleadings from a mighty prophet of God, the, the prophet Wilford Woodruff, quote, when thy people shall not have the opportunity of entering this holy house and they are oppressed and in trouble surrounded by difficulties and shall turn their faces toward this thy holy house and ask thee for deliverance for help for thy power to be extended in their behalf we beseech thee to look down from thy holy habitation in mercy and listen to their cries or when the children of thy people in years to come shall be separated through any cause from this place and they shall cry unto thee from the depths of their affliction and sorrow to extend relief and deliverance to them we humbly entreat thee to hearken to their cries and grant unto them the blessings for which they ask and that's that's pretty profound so uh, quite a few different like thoughts that it, uh, i was going through this when i was studying it was what is the or that is um let's see i don't know like halfway down um because it says we entreat thee for this situation or this situation there's two different um parallel things here and um what's the difference because there's um uh, different wording for each situation so in the first one it says um, we beseech thee and in the, the second one it says we humbly entreat thee and so what's the difference between those two and um there's two different kind of like oppressions that are coming so in the first one they are oppressed and in trouble surrounded by difficulties and in the second one um that they will be separated from this place um their affliction and sorrow the first one um uh, we ask thee for deliverance for help for thy power to be extended in their behalf versus the other one that um is extending relief and deliverance to them so i mean it seems like there's two different scenarios here that are are very interesting to, to compare and contrast out um uh, my, my first homework assignment that I wrote for myself here on the side was to, to chart this whole thing out chiastically, uh, to, to pull those apart and look at the different things, um, how they, they relate to each other. Because I think it's, I think the Salt Lake Temple dedication is very powerful for our day, um, not only for its day, but uh, it has direct implications for us now. And, and looking just at that verse right there, there's many different ellipses, right? The little three dots where, where things are taken out just for the, the flow and context of, of what President Nelson is getting at here. But uh, going back, there's a lot of value in going back and reading the entire thing. You know, he could have just given us the first part because I believe the first part is what a... Uh, pertains to us at that time because the temples were closed at that time and that's what it, the first one's talking about and what we're going through there 
And he could have stopped there and just left a bunch of dots there at the end of the thing. But I think he included this second part on purpose because that is going to be, yes, in a, a future time here with the, as we go into the persecution, when the saints are persecuted, the things that we'll be going through at that point, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Um, Wilford Woodruff and, and President Nelson are kind of, um, kind of bookends or very um, uh, pertinent examples uh, through the, the Salt Lake Temple era. You know, uh, Wilfred Woodruff dedicated it the first time and President Nelson will likely dedicate it for, for the second time. We'll see. I like this sentence that says, and shall turn their faces towards this thy holy house. Um, I heard somewhere in my studies or read somewhere that Joseph Smith said that, and this, this is gonna sound weird, I don't know, <laughs> that when you pray, you should face the temple. Have you heard that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially uh, studying different world religions and stuff, most people pray towards the temple. The Jews do, the Muslims do. <laughs> Why isn't that a thing that we do? I don't know. Yeah, even when, uh... And Babylon came in and, and took over uh, Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed. And Daniel and those, they still prayed towards where the temple had been to where, to, I mean, it was important to them to pray that direction. Yeah, so which one should we face? Just whichever one's closest, whichever one's assigned? <laughs> <laughs> Just pray to it. <laughs> But I, I think that that's a very powerful point, you know, and uh, I I can't point exactly where uh, Janet's referring. I remember Joseph Smith saying that somewhere, but I, I don't remember where it's at. But well, why don't we do that? Why hasn't that been inculcated into us and uh, helped us to, to come closer to the temple in, in a way? Because it definitely seems to be Abraham teaching his children true and correct principles there. And, uh, you know, uh, both the the birthright uh, lineage, as well as, as the Ishmaelites that um, do that same thing. Or taught that in the Book of Mormon by the King Benjamin's people having their tent doors open the temple. Maybe it's up to us to... Come to that knowledge ourselves and want yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, doing it from now on. I gotta reorient my my bedroom and stuff, and we'll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dad. Is it so much praying towards the temple or praying for the temple? For uh, the temple think, in like what context? Well, uh, for a long, long time now, we haven't had been able to go to the temple, or we've been limited on the temple. And there's so many temples, like you say, which one do you pray to? Uh, we're assigned to Twin Falls, but do you pray to that one and leave the others out? Or is it we pray for the temple and temples, not just the one, but all of them? 
<laughs> I don't know why that, that had a weird image in my head, like, and leave the others out. Like you just have to like <laughs> go to the, all the hundred and how many are there? 160 something. <laughs> but we're not praying to the temple. We're praying to him, my father. Yeah, but, but we're just towards the just temple. Towards the temple. We're facing towards that temple. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's a very interesting principle. And, you know, uh, very much so along that lines of what you just said of praying for them, uh, for the ability to enter in and uh, have it be a, a portal, a, a meeting place between heaven and earth where we can uh, receive and, and everything. I, it's very interesting. You know, like um, mountains are, are temples, right, throughout the Old Testament. And we have many people praying either on or toward a mountain as well. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I hadn't uh, really considered that a whole lot until till now, but I mean, like Leslie said, maybe it's something that we just have to find on our own and, and, and seek that guidance. Like, is it something that I need to do and, and how Heavenly Father will interact with you and, and witness that possibly what, a thing that we need to be doing? I'm wondering if it's just, it's a symbol of the condition of our heart. Mm-hmm much as anything else <clears throat> yeah i love it i think one of the main points of the of this talk was that he said hear him no yeah, yeah. I, hear him is such a, a powerful principle isn't it um where did i have that in that's in seven. Oh, yeah, there it is in seven. Oh, and I got a typo there. Dang it. <laughs> I forgot to take out the, <laughs> the footnote number uh, when I replaced it with that B. <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, isn't verse seven very interesting um, in what it's, it's truly saying there? The many inspiring components of this April 2020 General Conference and the sacred week that we now begin. So there's these two things. These two things can be summarized by two divinely decreed words, hear him. And, you know, he had uh, just, I think the prior session to this uh, gave the, the big hear him talk, right? Um, but we pray that your focus on Heavenly Father, who spoke those words, and on his beloved son, Jesus Christ, will loom largest in your memories, not of memories past or anybody else's memories, but your memories of all that has transpired. We pray that you will begin anew truly to hear, to hearken to, and heed the words of the Savior. Uh, there, that's one of the clearest points that I missed the first go around, because I had the question right off the bat, along with everybody else, I think, but like, who are we trying to hear? Are we hear him, the, the spirit, the father, son, Holy Ghost? Like, who are we right here? Hear, hearken to, and heed the words of the Savior. Uh, I think that that's a, a very powerful point that, that he's bringing at here. But um, pray that the focus on Heavenly Father and his beloved son will loom largest in your memories. Uh, I don't know. I, it seems like... That's one of the, the deepest things I've, <laughs> I've heard out of his, his studies since he's become a prophet. That's one of my favorite 
um, topics to, to ponder well, on. We are so blessed to know the, um, the Godhead and how it works that we, Jesus Christ is our mediator. I have this woman who calls me, I don't know if she's a Jehovah witness or what, but she gives me a, you know, a good thought. And she, she was saying that, um, she was saying something about Jehovah, the Jehovah of the Old Testament. And I said, yes, Jesus Christ. And she said, oh no, oh no, that's God the Father. And I thought, how blessed we are to know the order of the Godhead and, and that Jesus is our mediator and we, we do go through him. Mm -hmm. Literally, if you think of the veil of the temple, we go through him. Yeah. to answer the presence of the father yeah I, we have some amazing blessings because of, of the restored truths of, of that isn't it it's very powerful and there is power in physical actions so <laughs> if you do physically turn yourself around and align yourself with the nearest temple it's just the physical act is powerful that you're aligning yourself with the house of the Lord and you're acknowledging that it is his house and that he, his spirit and presence are there. I think just the physical act of aligning yourself with mm -hmm. the nearest temple when you pray is faith promoting and powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, like I said, I'm. <laughs> I think I'm going to be rearranging my bedroom tonight. <laughs> Not tonight, tomorrow. <laughs> but praying towards the temple. It's an interesting uh, thing that's being impressed on me right now. I like the promise that we would have decreased fear and increased faith if we hear him. And with all that's going on now, you can just think, um, yeah, we know what the outcome will be. And it, it does, it has helped me to have less fear. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how important that is, because when we live in a state of fear, everything is just discombobulated, right? But when you, you're in a state of faith, uh, it, it's very healing that gratitude can flow and, and everything can uh, transpire in our lives for good. Um, but yeah, hearing him, uh, it seems like such a simple principle for such profound blessings that, that come out of it. Well, well, think of the people in the world who do not understand what is happening right now. Yeah. And think of the increased peace that we have because, and faith that we have because we understand what is happening even members of the church who are not, quote, awake, unquote. Mm -hmm. We have kind of an advantage. Because, I mean, we just do because we understand why it's happening and that God really is in charge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, yeah, all of the different, like, timelines and awakeness, right? But uh, when it comes down to it, those things really do help, like, put things at peace and, and can live in, in the faith because we, we're connecting with, with God for them. 
Cameron? In verse 14, um, in one of the groups, I don't, the Facebook groups, I don't remember. I think I know which one it was. Um, there's, there was a video that was posted about, I'm getting ahead of myself. It, um, talk about the temple with your friend, family and friends <clears throat> because Christ is at the center of everything we do in the temple. And when I read that, Christ is at the center of everything. Even before I got to the rest of that um, sentence, um, I mean, really, I, my mind thought back to this video that was posted on one of those groups, and it was about a scientist. His doc, his name was Dr. Robert Singenis, and it was talking about. Um, the earth being the center of the universe. Has anybody seen that video? It's like maybe eight minutes long. Yes, yes. In fact, I posted it in Learning Zion and it coordinates with Michael Rush's talk about how, and I don't, I don't mean to steal your thunder here, Leslie, no. but <laughs> about how all the planets in the universe, which are so numerous that we can't, they, we can't number them. Yeah. Look, look towards the earth because of what Jesus Christ did here. And he is not only the savior of this world, but of the universe. And so they're all looking towards this earth because yeah. of the moment. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah um he was saying thank you janet um he was saying that they there was three different studies done studies i'm assuming you know how nasa and it wasn't done by nasa but it was supported by nasa um or assisted by um they <clears throat> tested the first test that came back said that the earth was the center of the universe and they thought that it was um a corrupt corrupted results they thought there was something that was tainted and so they did it again years later and the same results came back they did it a third time because the scientists couldn't believe and didn't want to believe that it would that earth was the center of the universe mm -hmm. third time results came back the same way and they just threw their hands up in the air and are <laughs> they're pretty I think anyway I thought about that and for the um what Janet said and I thought you know Christ really is this, the center of the universe and then I thought about myself is Christ the center of my universe and and I realized in some ways he wasn't the center of my universe and so I made they weren't I mean anything that gets in between us and Christ is is a big deal and it is a problem. It wasn't anything that was not, uh, I just had to become aware of it. You know, lack of faith, that veil of unbelief, that really is a, a thing that is between us and Christ in so many ways. And, um, and so I've been working on having Christ be the center of my universe. And I've, um, <clears throat> gotten to the point where I've become um, 
much better at living like that throughout my days until I come to something that is out of the ordinary for my days. You know, my days are varied, but when I do something very different, then I notice that I get all, all bollocked up and I lose that, um, that focus. And so, um, so that's good for me to notice because the days ahead are going to be filled with all, all, nothing but that and how, you know, we need to get, we, we get the opportunity to practice having Christ be at the center of our universe, um, no matter what, and what a blessing it is. Uh, that he gives us opportunity to practice and, uh, you know, to do that when we're not feeling well or things absolutely don't go as we have ex- anticipated them going. And uh, so if anybody's interested in that video, either I or Janet can um, put that in the chat. It's, I think it's well worth watching. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You're going to have to. I don't know how to put it in chat. Okay, I will give that a go. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then it's in the, the Facebook Learning Zion as, as well. Janet posted it there. Yeah, I think I did post it in Learning Zion. But I, I just love that, that the, our world, why, why don't scientists want the earth to be the center of the universe. What's the, the deal with that? Isn't it interesting? Because at one point they did, right? I mean, anciently, and then they come to, to find out that the earth wasn't flat and that it wasn't the center of the universe, that it's the sun and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's very interesting how that gets uh, translated from generation to generation or dispensation to dispensation, you know? But yeah, uh, very interesting principle. It's interesting that Jerusalem is the very center of everything. I mean, the earth mm-hmm. and the whole. Universe. Yeah, if you like see like those ancient maps and stuff, it is the center of uh, Europe and Asia and in Africa, right? It's that umbilical cord principle. I didn't know what, that. What is the Missouri then? Where the new Jerusalem? The place for the new Jerusalem has been dedicated. I thought that was some kind of a center. Is that the center of North America or? Uh Yeah. So like each hemisphere has, has the two centers. Um, But in the ancient world, um, I, you know, I'm talking, you know, like Noah on, right. Where we have different continents and hemispheres and stuff like that. Uh, You know, that was the center of of their world and their experience kind of a thing. But in, in context of, of a world whole, uh, I think that there's different, like two different centers. Um, you know, much like we have a North Pole and a South Pole, it's kind of everything rotates around those two kind of centers. Okay. But yeah, they, they often called Jerusalem the umbilical cord of the earth. That was where it was attached to its mother type of thing and that's where where christ comes and uh, anyway all of those different principles there but anyway back to this focus thing um i think the talk on opening the heavens and the hear him are all leading up to this same focus 
he's trying to get President Nelson is trying to get us back to the focus that we need to be have Christ at the center of our focus and and this even started the the conference before where uh, he, the name of our church we go back to that but then he talks about how in the first talk opening the heavens how they've been working on getting the church sites and the more the, the tabernacle choir not saying Mormon tabernacle choir and, and just alleviating all the th things that had to do with Mormon uh, so that it's it's on Christ and same thing with the symbol and it mentions the symbol here in verse four too the symbol what did the symbol before uh, we have the symbol of Christ the new symbol what did it have on it if you remember it's the uh, the temple with the angel Moroni on it. And it's kind of interesting. Cameron brought this up when we were studying together that in March of 18, just before this conference, it's when that they had that earthquake and Moroni's trumpet <laughs> fell off and stuff. It's like it's even even that that symbol is gone now because we don't want we don't worship joseph smith it's it, our focus isn't joseph smith it, it it isn't mormon it isn't moroni it's jesus christ and getting that focus back where it needs to be mm -hmm. and uh you might just think that's really interesting that how important it is that we focus on Heavenly Father, which verse is it that says about, we, we focus on Heavenly Father and his son, Jesus Christ. Um, verse seven. Verse seven. Midway through. Midway through. Yes, that's why I didn't know I forgot to mark it. But Heavenly Father instructs us to hear him which is his son, Jesus Christ. So that's where our focus needs to be. And so all three of these talks kind of go together, mm -hmm. focus, getting our focus back to Jesus Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that. And, you know, it, it's not bad to, to study Joseph Smith. It's not bad to no. study Mormon or Moroni, right? Oh, no. But, we're supposed to. So many times we we honor and revere to to almost a dangerous proportion where the focus isn't totally on the savior, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, just always rehoning and, and everything, uh, kind of like the principle that Leslie was talking about. Like it's fine if you're in a routine or whatever, your focus can be great, but then things come out of <laughs> come out of whack, and then you have to make sure that you can uh, keep that focus and uh, practice focus. Uh, refocusing on Christ all the time because much of this conference the April 2020 was about the restoration right I mean how great the restoration brought all of these things about Christ back into our lives but sometimes we can maybe get mired down in uh, the the restoration and uh, all of the the different stories there 
and maybe lose sight of, of Christ, but it's so important to keep that focus. Yeah, not to change the subject, because I think that is so important, but Cameron, do you know why, in verse 21, do you know why the expatriate and the Chinese congregations meet separately in China? I and the reason, mm -hmm. Go for the reason it. I'm asking is because on um, oh, one of the shows I watched today, we watch, I'm sorry, but we watched the news on Sunday. Okay. Um, <laughs> one of the news broadcasters was um, interviewing the, our China, the person from China, what do they call it? Who yeah, who um, is the liaison from the United States and China. And he was, I'm sorry, he was the biggest dork. <laughs> she kept asking him, you know, if, how do you say it? Zeping, his name, was going to give Russia his support. And he just kept dodging the question and saying how peace-loving China was and how they were sending all these humanitarian things to the Ukraine, but not weapons. Anyway, do you understand why the church would say that the expatriates and the Chinese congregations will not meet together? Uh, well, I mean, as far as I know, I, I haven't really studied it extensively, but but that was part of the church's agreement to not send missionaries and not have expatriate and uh, the the actual nationals uh, meet together so that we aren't look uh, trying to convert in in secret uh, the the people there. And so oh, I, I think it was just part of the agreement, you know, much like the agreement we have in uh, Israel as well, um, that we, we don't have mixed meetings, but, um, we just, won't proselyte. Uh, yeah, there's kind of like a two-part thing. You don't proselyte, but you also don't mix in your, your meetings so that you can't, um, accidentally convert somebody. <laughs> I say that okay. kind of weird. I just, well, that, that makes sense. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. But very interesting, right? I mean, it, uh, there's precious time in conference, but he spends quite, let's see, one, two, three, four paragraphs there um, talking about the, the Shanghai temple and, and what that process will look like and making sure to kind of smooth over any misconceptions that, that might arise from it. Because that, that's a historic announcement right there, um, especially given world tensions and, and everything that, that's come since then. But um, one thing that I hadn't quite put together as far as timeline and stuff was I thought that the Shanghai thing was prior to COVID and that, um, that uh, oh, I was wondering how COVID uh, affected the, the status of that temple, but no, he announced this right as COVID was getting started. And uh, anyway, it's just kind of interesting the, the timing of all that. Will we see that, that humble or modest meeting house um, actually come to fruition because i know that it's been delayed a little um but anyway it's such a significant thing i love listening to president nelson getting choked up there in verse 15 when he's announcing uh that shanghai people's republic of china 
uh, as part of those eight new temples. Do you, how strong, how strong is the church in China? I mean, I, I don't know specifics, but I know that there's lots of congregations that, that do meet. Um, there's, there's a factory here. I don't even know how I know this or why, but <laughs> anyway, we were getting a tour of the factory and they said that they have uh, another location over in, um, I, I forget which town it is. Anyway, uh, some city over there and that we were asking them about the church and like, well, do you like, can you meet in public or and stuff? And they said that it's very much a private thing, but that um, all of their religious books are stripped from them as soon as they come into the country. So they're very grateful for the gospel library app and things where they can actually read the scriptures and sing the hymns and all that kind of stuff. But um, I mean, they definitely have to watch themselves as far as uh, meeting in open or, or anything like that, or testifying of Christ in any way, but I don't know. That's kind of the extent of anything that I know. I haven't really studied it much. Well, we are so blessed, aren't we, to have freedom of religion. So blessed. I mean, whatever religion you are here, <laughs> that you can, can believe in and not have to just live in fear that you can express faith and exercise it. Um, but that might not always be the case as we know, right? <laughs> but uh, what freedom that alone is and how we should be so grateful for it. Um, let's see, it seems like we kind of covered a, a lot of this talk here. Anything else that, that stood out to you? Yeah. Then I wanted to go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning about the different uh, veils and the spheres. Oh, yeah. Like, like, where do we know that the the spirit world is where we go after we die? Where is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just right here. It's right among us here on the earth. But the where did we live? before we were born we were with with heavenly mother and heavenly father and and we know they're not here on the earth or up by kolob so i mean it's two different places where these things are anyway that thought came into my mind i wanted to clarify that part yeah that's a good, that's good darlene that's a good thought Yeah, something that just caught my eye was footnote E. Um, like, you know, he he puts lots of effort into his footnotes, as we know, but why does he include this? Um, so footnote E is from verse 19, there at the bottom of the, the column there. This is for thousands of years, um, the Chinese people have kept clan histories and genealogies. Traditional Chinese ceremonies show respect for their ancestors such as the Xingming Festival. This year's Xingming Festival was calendared for April 4th through the 5th. Like, that's a lot of details in a footnote 
Like what, what purpose is that? Anyway, it just kind of caught my attention. You know, the importance uh, as we were talking at, at the retreat, right? Of April 6th and, and the, the spring kind of Passover season and stuff. Um, the interesting Xingming festival that occurs at, at that same time and the ceremonies showing respect for their ancestors, genealogies. I've heard lots of things, but I can't recall them, you know, like right now, but um, how the churches is involved in uh, helping preserve some of the, the Chinese records. I don't know to what extent or anything, but um, it seems like uh, I've read somewhat recently of, of that, that the church is doing lots of things to help them preserve. But um, just interesting. To include that that big footnote there, um, as he is announcing the uh, Shanghai Temple. Mm. That is interesting. I'm gonna have to go search out the the Ximing Festival and, and what that is. I, you know, I, I spend a lot of time searching about Jewish culture and and uh, Islamic culture and stuff, but but I haven't really ever dove into to Eastern. Um, religions and stuff too much but especially like this i i have literally no idea <laughs> I, I definitely should spend more time there but yeah anything else from from this talk or other talks or whatever that you want to close out on Sometimes it's kind of fun just seeing the, the short little talks, how much we can can really uh, pull out of it and uh, reflect and, and see how it, it fits in context of what we're dealing with today and everything. Anyway, it just always amazes me. <laughs> uh, going from huge readings every single week to these short little talks, but man, are they powerful. There's so much in here. Isn't it interesting that... Um that Dubai yeah. would come to our church with the invitation to put a temple there. Usually they have to work hard to get places where we can put the temples, you know. Yeah. They're coming to the, our church leaders that, yeah, we'd love to have your temple here. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, so curious. have they even announced or anything on that like the dubai temple i'm just going to look it up real quick i don't think that they've started on it have they i don't think so but i yeah i don't know i'm curious to see what it's going to look like since they're yeah the country is so unique looking yeah so it's in the planning and approval phase the location is still unknown um but elder bednar visits the temple location in october 2021 so just last fall mm -hmm. he was over there so, it's so the temple fall. site it's interesting where it says that the site location is unknown but anyway down here it says that uh will be located in dubai's district 2020 where the worldwide event expo 
2020 will be held. In late 2022, District 2020 is expected to begin the handover process to future occupants. Oh, so later this year, we'll be able to kind of see um, where that might uh, play in. So once handover to the church has been finalized, construction can begin on the temple and a meeting house at the designated site. So that's interesting. So maybe not this conference, but next conference, they are, you know, right around there, they might be able to uh, detail out the plans and share the actual location, et cetera. But yeah. But that's interesting. It's kind of in coordination with that expo. Seems mm -hmm. like it's going to get a lot of people, you know, familiar with it all. And it could mm -hmm. be a great, yeah, and, and probably will be a great, uh, what do I want to say? Much like the, the, what was it, the New York Expo or what was the one, the World Fair that happened, you know, I mean, many different conversion stories coming out of there mm -hmm. here in the United States, kind of the same thing for that. Anyway, that's interesting. Yeah. All right. So next week we will be studying. Sorry. In the forward. Okay, so next week, um, Group A will be studying Embrace the Future with Faith from the October 2020 General Conference. Um, but I highly recommend, you know, of all the different conferences to go back and watch this week's uh, chats from all of the different groups, because I think they're all going to be uh, pretty awesome as we, not that yeah. all of them aren't, but... <laughs> We didn't talk about the Hosanna shout. Yeah, uh, so that one will be mostly covered by by Group C there, but well, okay. Um, okay, all right. Uh huh. But anyway, they're all going to be really fun uh, from the the April twenty twenty conference there. But yeah, then embrace the future with faith for next week, and then we're going to have our author chat for general conference. <laughs> I think it's as close as we're going to get. But we'll take it. I can't believe conference is already on us already. It's come really quick this time for some reason to me. All right. Well, love y'all. We will see y'all next week. Thank you. See ya.